Hello, everyone. I'm Dalton Burdett. I'm Nick Iricchio. And we are the Movie Nights. Well, some of them. If you're watching this, could you want to hear our uncensored... Unfiltered. ...thoughts and opinions about the world of movies and entertainment news, so kick back. Relax. And thank you for being a part of the conversation. How you doing, buddy? Good. We got a long show today. Dude, Come on, buckle well, up, There's folks. a lot of topics, and, you know, we'll, we'll see how, how long it takes to get through them all, but, you know, a <laughs> lot of news this past week. But before we dive into the show, mm-hmm. I do want to say off the top here... Um, we are aware that there is some drama going on with Don't Worry Darling, the upcoming film directed by Olivia Wilde, in regards to her making statements about shiring, firing Shia LaBeouf, and Shia LaBeouf coming out and saying, that's not what happened, I quit, with a video being released supporting mm-hmm. his claims. We have reports from The Wrap saying that Florence Pugh is not going to be doing press for the film, except at the Venice Film Festival, but I think it's kind of blown out of proportion, too, because she's currently filming Dune, yeah, which is a lot, so... You know, that might be it, and not necessarily anything to do with Olivia Wilde, although there's been rumors of that going on. And the reason why we're not making it, like, a main topic on the show yet is because that story is still ongoing, and I kind of want to wait until more things happen with it mm-hmm. so then we can then cover the entire story. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, because nothing, because uh, so far, like, the movie's still coming out. Movie's coming out. Like, the, the major developments is just, again, Florence just Pugh is not doing press, which... Yeah is being kind of blown out at this yeah, point. Yeah. And Shia LaBeouf and Olivia Wilde seem to be going back and forth, so there's no yeah. resolve to it. Yeah, there's no, like, reason to really dive into it other than that it's mm-hmm. drama. So, you know, we're not going to really handle that right now, but um, we will, as if something happens that, like, affects the entertainment world, we'll definitely dive into that. Yeah. But for now, let's get started into the show. We have a bunch of casting news, or casting news, rather, off the casting noon. That's a new uh, time, apparently. Casting noon, yes. <laughs> we, we have a l- bunch of casting news off the top here. Nick, go ahead and tell us what we got going on. Yeah, so the first main piece of casting news is that Aubrey Plaza has officially joined Adam Driver in Francis Ford Coppola's Megalopolis. Ooh. Yeah, you know, uh, Aubrey Plaza just had a really, uh, I think, small movie come out called Emily the Criminal, which has yes. received very high ratings mm-hmm. and praise. Um, so it looks like she's finally has her next big, uh, project lined up. That's true. And uh, for those of you that don't know, Megalopolis is a new film from Francis Ford Coppola that, um, he's been trying to make for years and years and years and that he's independently financing. And it's actually going to be just shy of a hundred million dollar movie. Like it's going to be for an independently financed film, very big, but independently financed by him. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. And so far he's got a pretty all-star cast. With we've just announced Arby Plaza, but also in the cast is Adam Driver, Forrest Whitaker, Natalie Emanuel, John Voight, Lawrence Fishburne. Tons of stuff going on. It actually went through some drama recently because Oscar Isaac dropped out of the project, which I think he was originally attached to star in it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, with Arby Plaza joining the project, I mean, we say it here all the time, and I'm going to say it again with these next two news stories. Never a bad idea to add talent, and Arby Plaza is extremely talented. I'm really interested to see Francis Ford Coppola make a new mm-hmm. movie, and this is either going to be an incredible triumph or a huge disaster. So uh, either way, it's going to be fun to watch. So I'm all in. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on kind of Aubrey Plaza joining this type of film? Does this move kind of surprise you? Um, it does because I've never pictured Aubrey Plaza as. I think she's very talented, and mm-hmm. I love everything that she does. I've never pictured her as like a big budget working with directors of that caliber type act. Not that she isn't fantastic, but yeah. like, it seemed like that she kind of actively was avoiding situations like that, mm-hmm. I guess. But also at the same time, this is an independently financed movie. So it does have that weird kind of like Hollywood spin of like, what the fuck's going on with this project? Yeah. Um, and again, like you said, it's never a bad idea to add talent to your cast. I remember the Oscar Isaac story. I think we also did a little bit about Zendaya was kind of circling it. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think anything developed from that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a stacked cast. It's definitely an interesting conversation for sure. Cause why didn't it get a backing or did he just want like full autonomy on it? You know, what's, Who, what's going on there. So why, why do mad men do what they do? It's definitely something to keep a radar on. Uh, so I'm all about it. Has it started filming or no, no, not yet. Gearing it's up. still, yeah. It's still the script is finalized and everything like there's yeah, still, I, I think it films in the fall. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong okay. about that though. But, um, while we're on it though, whenever Aubrey Plaza, Aubrey Plaza gets brought up, I must emphasize how upset I am that let alone when I don't even think, I don't even think she was nominated ever 
for Legion. That was and a fantastic she show. she absolutely crushed it on that show. Mm-hmm. It's one of my all-time favorite TV shows. If they made a 4K pack of every season, I would buy it. Mm-hmm. I don't buy many TV shows like on Blu-ray. The only ones I've ever gotten are some seasons and episodes of Doctor Who, and I bought the entirety of Ash vs. Evil Dead. Because, of course, I did. Naturally, yeah. But, um, yeah, I would buy Legion if they released it. She's great on it. She's a great actress. Let us know what you guys think about Aubrey Plaza joining Megalopolis. As we move on to our next story, Nick, what's the next bit of casting news? Uh, next bit of casting news comes from us from Deadline. Luke Wilson has joined Kevin Costner's Western epic Horizon. Now, I don't – you might know this. Is he – okay, Co- Costner is starring and directing. Yes. According to the article, so mm-hmm. – we got Luke Wilson in a Western. I mean, what more can you ask for? And <laughs> part of the reason why I want to talk about this is because, man, I love Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson's great. He does not get enough credit, those Wilson brothers. But uh, I Both I, of them, fantastic. Yeah, I yeah. love him in Idiocracy. I love him in just about everything. I think he brings a certain type of comedy to roles, and this doesn't look like it's going to be a comedy. We don't know if he's going to be comedic relief. Mm-hmm. But um, I know that he started to dip his toe into some drama a little bit. And I'm all about it. And I think whenever mostly comedic actors take on dramatic roles, they end up crushing it. Because anyone who's actually in the industry will tell you comedy comedy is infinitely more hard yeah. than drama. Not that drama's easy, but like comedy is insanely hard. So the jump from comedy to drama is a much easier leap than drama to comedy. He was in a little low budget like horror thriller called I think it's Vacancy or No Vacancy. Mm-hmm. One of the two it was like a survival type horror thing that mm-hmm. he was fantastic and i was like okay luke wilson <laughs> yeah stepping away from comedy i'm i'm watching you yeah and yeah. like this is oddly specific but like i'm such a huge fan of the scream franchise and when they in the stab movies that are in the scream movies he plays billy loomis and it's so funny to see him like pretend to be skeet Ulrich, who's yeah like and it's just really really i just like i remember we we we, we rewatched them recently and I just remember seeing Luke Wilson and being like, oh, shit. Like, I forgot Luke Wilson, like, did this little thing. I mean, looking at it, too, digging into the article a little bit, it looks like the cast also has Sienna Miller, Sam Worthington, most notable from Avatar. Sam Worthington. And and Jamie Campbell Bower, who I believe yep. is... is Stranger Things. Stranger Things, right? Mm-hmm. We played... I don't want to go into spoilers. A big role on Stranger Things. He was in it. Yeah, yeah. And he was great mm-hmm. and terrifying. Yes. So, um, I can get behind this. Yes. And I, I don't mean to hijack because, look, we, we love Luke Wilson. Yeah. I don't mean to hijack that, but Sam Worthington. Yeah. Why is that not the headline? He, like, disappeared, like, for a while. He was on retainer for Avatar. Well, here's the thing. He, he was, like, the late 2000s, early yeah. 2010s. That dude was in everything. Like, and he was crushing it. And then he just stopped but he's in an avatar too he's been doing all the avatar movies so he's getting paid like you know we're not worried about him there like i remember he was in a movie called rogue which was an alligator or crocodile movie and it's actually fantastic i love rogue um he was in terminator salvation that's what he was in yeah that movie it's not great right but christian bale plays john connor which is insane that that exists yeah and Anton Yelchin, rest his soul, crushed it as Kyle Reese. He was so good. Best since Michael Bean. And Kyle Reese is one of my all-time favorite movie characters to ever exist in movies. Mm -hmm. I love that character. And he crushed it. And Sam Worthington was good, too. I just wish that they could have nailed the movie. It's kind of all over the place. It's not the worst thing ever, like some people think it is. But it's definitely not great. Yeah. And, you know, most of the Terminator sequels aren't great. But, yes, anyway, back to Luke Wilson. I love this guy. I'm excited that he's in it. What do you guys think about Luke Wilson joining uh, the new Kevin Costner film, the new Western, which Kevin Costner doing Westerns, he's crushing it on Yellowstone and all this stuff. And he's a great filmmaker. Let us know in the comments as we move on to our next story. Nick, what's our last bit of casting news? Last bit of casting news comes uh, from us from The Hollywood Reporter, Danny Houston has officially joined Bill Skarsgård in The Crow re- reboot, remake. They're doing another crow. They're doing another crow. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so a couple things here. One, for those of you that don't know, yes, the 90s film The Crow, they are re- doing a remake or a reboot of some sort. And this this thing's kind of been cursed. Like, 
it's been trying to been remade so many times yeah, with so many people. A while back, wasn't Jason Momoa? Jason Momoa was going to play, and they were yeah. about to start shooting when that fell apart. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure at one point before that, I could be wrong. I think Bradley Cooper was going to play the crow, like, or at least was going to be involved in some capacity. Like, like there, I could be wrong about that, but there, but there was like tons of people who were going to be in the crow and do something with the crow. And then Bill Skarsgård finally joined the project, and now we're getting reports, like you said, from THR that Danny Houston has joined. Um, the article doesn't mention anything about his role specifically, mm-hmm. but I love Danny Houston, and I'm so excited that he's going to be in this. Uh, he's he's one of those actors where you see him and you're like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah. But And you recognize him from a bunch. Like, he was in X-Men Origins Wolverine, which is terrible, but he was fine in it. He was Stryker, yeah. Yeah, he was in... Um, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman as the villain, which yeah. I actually enjoyed. Uh, apparently, uh, according to the article, too, he's been on several episodes of Yellowstone and Succession. Oh, there you go. So, the man's been working. He's been working. He's been crushing it. On two very successful shows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on Danny Houston joining uh, The Crow, and are you excited for the movie? I've never seen the original Crow, mm. so I really have actually no attachment to this. We will I, fix that. I'll be entirely honest. I don't know what it's about. It's if, an, it's an indie. I'll give you the spark yeah, notes. Just a quick little, yeah. It's an, based on an indie comic Okay. about a guy who gets killed, mm-hmm. who comes back from the dead, and goes and seeks revenge on the people that killed him and his girlfriend because his girlfriend does not come back from the dead. It's like an Undertaker type <laughs> yes, vibe. Yes, but, but he has like face paint and he looks rad and it's grungy. Oh, all right. Well, uh, that sounds interesting. And and you're aware of like the original film and the tragedy that happened. Uh, I'm aware it. of that, yeah, like yeah, the okay, lead actor okay. cast yes. and... Yeah, Brand- Bruce Lee's son, Brandon Lee. Yeah. Yeah. Was, I, I yeah. do all, I know all that, okay. but I never actually saw it. So, I mean, it seems like The Crow just is always in production hell. Yes. Uh, But, I mean, Bill Skarsgård is great. Yes. And I love some Danny Houston. Yes. So, all positives here. All positives here. What do you guys think about Danny Houston joining the cast of The Crow? And are you excited for the new Crow film? Let us know in the comments as we move on to our next story. Now, these next two stories are... They're both whack, but in different ways. I, this next one, I actually can't quite believe it. Nick, uh, hit us. There, there's a lot on this one. <laughs> so this one comes to us from Deadline. A King Kong live-action series is in the works at Disney+. Plus. <laughs> yes. From Stephanie Folsom and James Wan's Atomic Monster uh-huh. and Disney-branded TV. So to break this down a little bit, a product that is owned by Apple, I believe, or Universal. Uh, legendary. Legendary. Yeah. Which, but which works in tandem with Warner Brothers. With Works in tandem with Warner Brothers. With a team that works exclusively for Warner Brothers is developing a show for Disney Plus based off the monsters. Well, not quite. No. So they're also working with Apple because, okay, so no, just, just, to, just to clarify confusion. Warner Brothers is doing the MonsterVerse with yeah. Godzilla, King Kong, which, by the way, they're making a sequel to King Kong versus Godzilla, which is awesome. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, they did all those movies. They did Godzilla, Kong Skull Island, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, Godzilla versus mm-hmm. Kong. And now they're making a spinoff TV show with Apple about Godzilla, I believe. Yeah. and I think that's the confusion is yeah, why and, is it going to Apple? And then they're making a big... Um, Instead of HBO Max, yeah, that makes no sense. And now they're make which is part of that universe, and then they're making a King Kong Godzilla sequel, which is also in that universe. This TV show, this King Kong <laughs> series for Disney, not in that universe. And oh, it's, it's not. No. Oh, my bad. No, my it bad. is no, it is completely separate, and it is being developed based on the original King Kong book, which mm-hmm. I believe I don't know if it's public domain, but I don't think like the rights are not going to be an issue for that reason. Okay. Like they are directly <laughs> adapting. Yeah. The original King Kong story, I believe, is what the situation is. And um, the fact that James Wan's working with Disney makes me happy because I love him with Warner Brothers and Aquaman. Hope, Let's hope and pray, Nicholas, that the MCU gets James Wan. Do you know how happy <laughs> that would make me personally? I would be the happiest person alive. Alive. So, yeah, I'm pulling from the article here. The series will explore the mythology of King Kong's origin story and the supernatural mysteries of his home based on the IP from Marion Cooper's original books and the new King Kong novelizations by Joe DeVito. So, yeah, that's what it is based on. And because of that, there will not be any rights issues. But, yes, this is separate from the MonsterVerse, not what's going on there, which is going to be probably slightly confusing for audiences. But who knows how long the series is going to take and who knows how long 
the Apple series for Godzilla and all that's going to take and where that's going. But yeah, interesting all around. I, King Kong Disney plus James Wan. That's all you had to say to me. And I'm, Done. I'm yeah. in. I'm in. They could have uh, just told me King Kong. You put monkey. I'm there. <laughs> Absolutely. I remember you were the only person in the group that wanted King Kong to win the fight. Yeah. Monkey. <laughs> but lizard. But monkey. <laughs> First of all. Oh, um, yeah. So what are your thoughts on this series as a whole? And are you afraid that people might be confused with the MonsterVerse that's been going on? Yes, because I was confused. <laughs> I just assumed it was part of that. Yeah. So I was confused why in-universe there's stuff going on HBO Max, <laughs> a TV show on Apple, mm-hmm. and a TV show on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Very strange and odd move from Disney to be interested in it. Yeah. Um, and also I feel like there's enough open ending in the monster universe where they could have just made this, that King Kong or a different one, Mm -hmm. especially with all the lore they set up in Godzilla versus Kong, which is a weird sentence to make, (laughs) um, great world building. Um, (laughs) but like you said, King Kong, James Wan, I'm there. Yeah, absolutely. If only he could just get to work on Malignant 2. Anyway, guys, what are your thoughts on King Kong's live-action TV series coming to Disney Plus that is not related to the ongoing MonsterVerse? Let us know in the comments. As, and much like last week, I will try extremely hard to not rant on this next one. <laughs> All right, this next story comes to us from Deadline. Um, I will also probably rant on this. This is not the headline, but I'm just going to make it. In a terrible decision... <laughs> The upcoming film Halloween Ends will be going theatrical and day and date on Peacock, just like the previous sequel. Why? But why? Why? Listen, I'm going to come right out the gate. I'm not excited for this movie. (laughs) Okay. I loved the first Halloween Mm -hmm. of this new... new, Like starting in 2018. Yes. I don't know what the fuck Halloween Kills was. (laughs) So they had a lot to do to get me excited for Halloween ends. But dropping it on day and date, to me, just shows a lack of faith in the movie. Yeah. We are still, you know, we're still in the pandemic. We're on the other side of it, I think, hopefully. But people are going to the movies. Top Gun made over a billion dollars, which... Halloween ends is not going to make anything close to that. But clearly people are back in the movies and butts are in seats again. And you have an IP that people recognize instantly. And regardless of the movies, I love Jamie Lee Curtis. I will see anything Jamie Lee Curtis does. One of my favorite actors. Well, yeah, absolutely. So here's what I want to kind of point out. (sighs) Not a good idea. No. No. Um, I'm really fascinated by the idea too because the the first one I understand the, or the Halloween Kills rather because we were still kind of really in the deep shit of the pandemic and Jason Blum felt bad that he sent Freaky out to die because mm-hmm. they didn't do this with Freaky yeah. and Freaky was a good movie and he was like you know what I'm going to learn from that I'm going to do that for Halloween Kills Yeah. probably a smart move because Halloween Kills Let's just say I agree with your assessment on Halloween Kills. (laughs) And it's... So let let me pull something from the article really quick. Um, The person who wrote the article, his name is uh, Anthony Mm D'Alessandro. And he says this in the article. Similar to Halloween Kills, I understand that the creative partners on Halloween Ends are being made whole financially given the sudden shift. Which means Peacock has paid them lots of money to not have them not be angry with them. Because this apparently, according to the article, is a mostly universal Peacock move. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't forced necessarily, but they offered them a deal and they took the deal. Them taking the deal, I agree with you, shows me that they're not, they don't have huge faith in the film, which upsets yeah. me. But the, it's, here's the thing. It's not like Halloween movies don't make money. Yeah. They all make money. Hold on. Even Halloween Kills made money. Halloween Kills, I'm going to do just domestic numbers because I think they released it worldwide in theaters. Yeah. I could be wrong about that. Just domestically, Halloween Kills made $92 million. Worldwide total with the international, it made 130 The first Halloween, and actually, and I also want to point out the opening weekend. The opening weekend of Halloween Kills 
$49 million, which is actually pretty, pretty good. Let's do Halloween 2018. Domestic box office, $159 million. Worldwide total, 255 Opening weekend box office, 76 They were doing fine. And that Halloween Kills was with the day and date on Peacock. Yeah. Now, granted, Peacock at the time, if I told you, in tw- or like late, if I went up to a random person mm-hmm. in 2021 and said, hey, you don't have to go to theaters. You can actually watch that on Peacock. The person would look at me and say, what the fuck is Peacock? Yeah. Now, it's a lot more known. So I think the numbers are just going to keep going down. Now, granted, I do think it will do fine in theaters because Halloween's one of those movies, horror movies, where people are like, let's go out, let's get scared, and let's watch like Halloween. So I don't think it's going to do necessarily financially poor, but you're losing. You're losing out on so much box office money. Like, I don't, well, I even, don't understand. Well, even the article says Halloween Ends is going to be one of the first tentpoles of autumn after a desert-filled summer. Yes, the movie theaters are really struggling right now, like yeah. we just said last week. And they're just like, oh, by the way, this is going to go day and date. Could have been nice, like, for the theaters right now, you know. Yeah. I, stop trying to make Peacock happen. It's not going to happen. It won't. It's fine. It's a fine service. I like, I'm not even a huge WWE fan, but yeah. my favorite thing about it is, like, all of WWE's on there. Like, everything they've ever done ever is yeah. on there. That's fantastic. But, like... It's it's a fine service. You know what? It has Jaws too. I'm gonna go ahead and take back some of my, <laughs> you know. But um, yeah. I just I don't understand it. I think it's a really like you said a bad move. You're you're just losing out on printed money, especially if this film is good. If it was good, yeah. And word of mouth picked up. Well, here's also the thing. It like even the article says like, don't blame COVID for this. It's pure experimentation. Yeah. You're going to experiment on what is marketed as the last <laughs> Halloween movie. It won't be, but you it know. Will be of this run with yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. What? <laughs> what? Why? You're experimenting at the end? Yeah. That's like if Disney Plus came out around Endgame <laughs> and they were like, oh, by the way, Endgame. Avengers Endgame is going to go on Disney Plus. And you're like, we're going to (laughs) experiment. Now's when you experiment? Yeah. If they had said, hey, the new reboot in 2018 was going to be it. Yeah. Makes more sense. And all of them are just Peacock originals. Like Predator, Prey going straight to Hulu. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But in the middle or end of your, your new franchise, that's not the time to experiment. Not at all. Yeah. And if you're that <laughs> unconfident in it, put it straight on Peacock. Yeah. I mean, no, they probably would have lost some money on that. But, like, at yeah. the same time, if you're not confident in the movie, market the shit out of it so it makes yeah. a lot of opening weekend. Because it's Blumhouse. It was made for cheap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't fucking understand any of this. I hope... I don't hope the movie fails. I hope that they make decent theatrical numbers and they don't make any peacock numbers just so that peacock learns that they should stop doing this yeah but at least at least blumhouse was paid mm-hmm. for doing that because we care about blumhouse at least they were paid what do you guys think about halloween ends going straight to peacock we're doing a day and date release with in theaters on the same day let us know in the comments um now on to these next stories we have about we have one, two, three, four stories that are all in the DC world of, you know, DC stuff going on, mm-hmm. which seems to be a trend here. Tons of DC stuff yeah, happening. a lot of DC stuff. So um, go ahead and dive into the first one for us, Nicholas. Yeah, a lot of DC news. First up, um, a big one. I think the one, looking at all the articles, the one I'm most excited about, uh, The Batman, starring Robert Pattinson, director Matt Reeves, has set a multi-year first-look film deal at Warner Brothers and re-upped with Warner Brothers Television. This is coming off the uh, news that the Batman Two has not officially been greenlit, greenlit yet. Um, so that's a nice kind of. Uh... Woo! Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank God. Okay. Yeah. So you are in, you're doubling down on Matt Reeves, which I fully support. He's he's a great filmmaker. Yeah, no, he's a fantastic filmmaker, and it, it, it really just goes to show that, like, 
the new DC leadership and the new Warner Brothers leadership, you know, whether you like some of the decisions they've been making or not, they are very serious about DC. Yeah. And they want talent to stay. And I think that's what they're doing with Matt Reeves. And I think the, the smart thing is this doesn't just apply to DC projects. It relates to just Warner Brothers overall. And it's just like, hey, we want you to be creative here. We want this to be your home. They're kind of trying to get the um, feeling back that it was a filmmaker studio like it used to be. And they're like, we want to start with you. You know, let's make this deal. And look, it's a fantastic idea. He's a phenomenal filmmaker, like we said. He did incredible in the last two Planet of the Apes movies he did. He was The Batman was excellent, which I finally got the 4K for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, you know, what a great idea to lock this down and make it happen. And, you know, overall deals are really interesting because basically what that means is I'm pretty sure he gets an office at Warner Brothers. To like, an office? And it doesn't even have to be Batman. No. He can work on whatever he wants. Yeah. And, ba- and basically, if he gets an original idea, Warner Brothers has to look at it first. Mm-hmm. And even if they say no, then he can shop it around. They just get to go first. They get to go first. It's, it's not it's, dead it's, in the it's water. It's them saying, hey, we like you so much that when you do your next thing, you have to legally come to us first <laughs> to yeah. make it. So, you know, and as a creative, as a filmmaker, an overall deal, oh, that's the only job security you have. Yeah. That or if you get cast in a long-running TV show, you know. So it's just like that's that's really it. That's, that's it. kind yeah. of that's the dream. And Matt Reeves is living it. You know, uh, what are your thoughts on him being able to finally be able to not, not only do DC stuff at Warner Brothers, but whatever he wants? Yeah, no, I think it's a great idea. Like you said, it's a great step forward to Warner Brothers reclaiming like, hey, we are creative-focused. Mm-hmm. You know, we take care of our creatives. And... I mean, you just listed off his, yeah. his, his his filmography. Like, the man puts out great content, so it's yeah. a smart part on both ends to, one, have that opportunity to develop, and he can develop his weird shit, too. Yeah, yeah. And like, I also want to point out, yeah. this applies to his television deal as well, so it's film and TV. Yeah, because they have the, what was Gotham PD, which was reworked mm-hmm. to an Arkham show. Yeah. And Colin the, Farrell's Penguin. Yeah. But he could just do TV, any TV show he wants to, if he has yeah. an idea. Yeah. So, I think it... It's never a bad idea to bring talent and keep talent. And Warner Brothers seems to want to keep the talent. Absolutely. They don't want to have another Chris Nolan situation. Exactly. So I think that's all good news on my end. Yes. And we are going to transition from good news about Matt Reeves to some sad news about Matt Reeves. What do you got for us next? I'm actually really upset about this. This is the first time that I've looked at all the changes Warner Brothers have been making. <laughs> and I said, I think I think you messed up on this one, Chief. <laughs> Um, there was a Batman series that we grew up with Mm -hmm. called Batman the Animated Series. And it's fucking awesome. And it is the best Batman animated show ever. Ever. One of the best animated shows ever. Uh, so announced a while back was that there was going to be a spiritual animated reimagining of Batman the Animated Series called Batman Caped Crusader, which was going to be produced by the original series creator, Bruce Timm. Yeah, boy. With producers J.J. Abrams and Matt Reeves turning as executive producers. Yes. Oh, well, that's no longer moving forward at HBO Max. Yes. But there is a bit of good news. It will be shopped around. And we've already heard stories of Netflix, Hulu, and other places being like, oh, we'll, we'll, let, let's, yeah. have, let's have a meeting about this. Yeah. Yeah. S- yeah. So, yes, <laughs> it's not a smart move. But mm-hmm. from what I understand, Warner Brothers basically are trying to say, HBO Max, no kids content. No things tailored for children content yeah. there. The closest thing we'll do is DC. But that can be for entire families. And with this show why they haven't just announced like an animated streaming service for Warner brothers that's mm-hmm. going on and moving stuff there instead of just removing stuff from HBO max, which I think is what they're leading up to and just saying, Oh, now we're just going to give this show away to, I think eventually probably in the future, get it back. I think this is just loops that make no sense, but I know they're trying to cut spending. And I think that's the reason I have faith that the show will get picked up. Yeah. I'm a little bit upset that it's not going to be all under the same umbrella. Fine. Well, the thing is, too, they say no kid-focused content. The target audience with this is probably, probably kids, us. yeah. But what it's going to be is like <laughs> yeah. us yeah, and True. the people that grew up with the show. Yeah. True. 
but which is again why I think it's not the best yeah. idea. I mean, you need a hard line in this in the sand, I guess. If you're gonna do something, it's all or nothing. Yeah, but at the same time, I I do agree it's not like it's not it's not a great move because yeah. I think eventually, like what HBO Max has been doing, they're gonna put all of DC into one thing. Yeah. On because that's the one advantage DC has always had over Marvel is that it's all owned by one company. Whereas Marvel for many years was split up over several companies. Mm-hmm. I think that this is not the best idea, but I do have faith that the show will get made because I, I really want to watch this fucking show. Yeah, it looks so cool. But um, but yeah, that's that that was an interesting one. And uh, speaking of things not moving forward at HBO Max, what do we got next? Well, next up we have uh, the canceled Batgirl. Yes. Movie, which was widely reported by us and everyone, everyone in, in Hollywood. World, yeah. Uh, well, apparently, this is an exclusive from the Hollywood Reporter. Secret Batgirl funeral screenings occurred at the Warner Brothers lot for the cast and crew of the film. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to dive into this a little bit. Um, this article also confirms that the footage is not going to be destroyed. Because mm-hmm. I know that there was like a rumor going around like, oh, they're going to delete and erase the footage. No, they're not. Yeah, I remember the directors talking about. I went to log in to try to get something, and it was gone. Yeah, it was, it was just they just pulled it. Coded. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, password. Yeah, and basically, what's going on is on the studio on the Warner Brothers lot. There, they've invited cast and crew to watch the assembly cut of Batgirl. Yeah. before mm-hmm. locking the footage away forever. And you might be thinking, oh, that can't be that common locking footage away. Oh, there's tons of stuff that they've locked away. I bet you didn't know. Do they put the person's name in here? Hang on. It doesn't, but I want to say it was Naomi Watts. Basically, there was a Game of Thrones spinoff pilot that was shot around the same time as House of the Dragon. Oh, Blood Moon. Blood Moon. Yeah, it's toward the bottom. Yes, thank you. I don't see a like a Naomi Here, Watts. I'll, but, I'll, yeah. I'll read this. Yeah, maybe that, I could be making up the Naomi Watts thing. Correct me in the comments, but I'm going to take this from Hollywood Reporter. Several sources suggested the Warners might make the drastic move of actually destroying its background footage as a way to demonstrate to the IRS that there will never be any revenue from the project, and thus it should be entitled to the full write-down immediately. Other sources dispute that notion, noting that there are other projects that still have footage locked away that will never see the light of day, such as HBO's first Game of Thrones spinoff pilot, Blood Moon, an hour of television that not even author George R.R. Martin has seen. And there's a possibility Warners could write could down the road decide Batgirl's worth releasing and pay back the government its tax liability. But basically what I'm saying is like, there's a whole Game of Thrones pilot that was shot with millions that they were like, nope, it's not good enough and just locked it away. Yeah. And it's never seeing the light of day. Like that happens. And, you know, I'm, I I still have mixed feelings with the canceling of the movie, but it's not nothing like doing the funeral screenings. Mm -hmm. Like it's not nothing. Like at least the people who worked on it they're tr- you could tell they're trying to make amends as much as they can with the people who worked on the movie. Not everyone's going to take that bait. Well, that, but at least they get to watch some of it. Well, the story that kind of went around too from and it could just be total PR bullshit was mm-hmm. that like that info got leaked so it got to the cast and crew before Warner Brothers was able to like actually sit down and yeah. have meetings and who knows that could be entirely off base, but that could be their way of trying to retroactively. But also it's kind of a little insulting. Yeah, I, I want to hear this. Like, it's called a funeral screening. Mm-hmm. And you're going to go watch something that you just know is not going to see the light of day. Mm-hmm. And you've worked on it, and you're actively going into it knowing this is dead. And no one else is going to get to see it except for me. Mm-hmm. And it's an assembly cut. There's no, like, probably unfinished CGI, unfinished yeah. shots, reshoots. Yeah. It's just like more salt in the wound, I feel like, of like, here's the rough cut and here's what we showed people, which is why it's not moving forward. And it's like, well, yeah, <laughs> it's not done. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's my, my my take on it. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. But at the same time, if I was making a movie and then it got canceled and then that was it and like no one ever got to see it, not even me. Yeah. I'd be like, well, f- fuck, you know. Yeah, but also imagine the tension in that room. Oh, like, you know no, what no, I mean? No. Like, Here, are you is it even an enjoyable experience at that point? Here's what I was imagining. All right, guys, thank you so much for coming. We know this isn't easy, but we wanted to give you the opportunity to watch your work on the screen. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, we have lasers on you for if you try anything with your cell phone, we will shoot you in the head. <laughs> like, yeah. You know there was, like, huge security about, like, leaking. Oh, they 100% took everyone's phone and uh, locked, locked them up. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, that's... 
that's the game, as they say in Spiral from the Book of Saul. Anyway, moving on to our next DC story. Uh, well, what do you guys think about, you know, back robbing funeral screenings? You know, where do you kind of fall on that side of it? Um, this is actually huge news. If it hasn't closed yet, the deal is not done. But if true, huge. Nick, hit us. Uh, well, the big story going around right now is, you know, Warner Brothers planned to make DC kind of, uh, you know, a 10-year plan. And in doing so, they would need someone at the head of it. And they kept saying they want to find their Kevin Feige which has one issue with it. There's no one else like Kevin Feige. <laughs> yes. So basically what they were trying to say is we need someone in charge of DC that mm. can give this guidance. Well, it looks like they are fin- in final talks to have found their their head of DC film. Uh, producer Dan Lin is in talks to take control of film, TV, for the superhero arm of Warner Brothers. Thank you. Yes. And this is really interesting because you might be thinking to yourself, who the hell is Dan Lin. Well, pulling from The Hollywood Reporter, Dan Lin is the executive term producer who counts hits such as the live-action Aladdin, the Lego movie, and the It horror movies among his credits. So, you know, he's not some rando. He has legit work in the business. High-grossing high work high in the grossing. business. Yeah, Very high-grossing work in the business. And he also, this one I also want to point out, and pulling from the article, Lin's name appeared late in the game, but he has a champion in Warner's advisor, Alan Horn, the former Disney chair who ran Warner's as the president and COO back in the day. Lin worked for Alan Horn. So Alan Horn, who's advising David Zaslav, has said, hey, this Dan Lin guy would be good. Yeah. And Alan Horn was Kevin Feige's boss. And if Kevin Feige's boss says, hey, this guy might be good, maybe let's give him a shot. So I think that's what's really going on. One of the biggest holdups in the deal actually has nothing to do with money. It actually has to do with Lynn has his own production company called Rideback mm-hmm. that he kind of built from the ground up. And he does not just want to abandon the company to go run DC. So he, he's basically trying to work a deal where Rideback gets to help make the DC movies. Mm-hmm. And that's the only holdup of the deal from what like I understand. So... We'll see. It's kind of like whenever J.J. Abrams makes a movie, he's like, yes, but Bad Robot's going to help make it. Yeah. And then everyone's like, well, yeah. Warner Brothers is like, ah, well, let's talk. Yeah. With Let's figure it out. Yeah, like, is, so, this a, is this a hard deal breaker, or do you want to see if there's a way to work on yeah, it? Yeah, and I think that's what's happening. But also, I want to point out something that's a story within the story is that with this news, whether or not they go with Dan Lin or not, it did confirm that Walter Hamada will leave. Yeah. Whenever the new DC head is appointed, which I have mixed opinions on because, you know, yes, he could have handled some things differently in terms of PR and treating people nicely, but he was thrown into DC when it was a shit pile in terms of PR, in terms of trying to run a business, released very good films, not always financially successful, but very good films and did it with Toby Emmerich as his boss, who did not give him the creative freedom to do what he wanted. Mm-hmm. So he literally had to try to listen to Toby Emmerich, convince him of doing other things, while at the same time trying to do his own thing. And he was under a lot of stress. And I feel kind of bad. I wish that Zaslav would have given, when now that they're making DC its own studio, I wish he would have given Hamada a chance mm-hmm. to be like, now you answer directly to Alan Horn and myself. You don't, you don't answer to Toby Emmerich or anybody else anymore. Kind of like the Ike Perlmutter situation with Marvel a few years ago. Yeah. Now you just answer to us. And I would have liked to have seen what Walter Hamada had done. However, not the case. He's pissed and he's leaving, understandably. And we're going to have a new head of DC soon. It may. It looks like it's going to be Dan Lin. It may not be because the deal has not closed, like I said. But what are your thoughts on this entire situation? I mean, listen, the Walter Hamada stuff, you know, like you said, he never got a chance. But also, it might just be good to have some new, some fresh blood working with it, especially if you're trying to send it in a new direction as well when you have someone who is a part of the old direction in charge of giving it a new direction i feel like you get more of the same direction direction yes so <laughs> of like how the where no, the movies I know are going to be saying, going yeah. Yeah. yeah um and i mean looking at his credits dan lynn it seems like he is a great producer uh from a creative standpoint i guess we can see where where he goes and if he has a big love for like the DC comics and everything. It's just interesting to see. Cause then it just kind of spirals more into, are they going to reboot? Are they going to try to just course correct? Or what's that all going to look like? But mm-hmm. I think having 
new a new perspective on it is going to be good and helpful and it seems if if alan horn is recommending somebody it's probably a fair bet that it's going to do well yeah yeah so i think it's all all good things if it does go with him if not we'll see who they pull up next I agree with you completely. What are your guys' thoughts on this? And I actually miscounted. We have one more DC story, and it's a rather big one. Uh, Nick, go ahead and dive into our final DC story here. Yep, this one is kind of a a big one here. Uh, This comes from an exclusive from The Hollywood Reporter. Ezra Miller has officially met with Warner Brothers leadership in a conversation about a course correction for The Flash giving all of their previous headlines. Yes. And a statement issued by them regarding their past behavior. Yes, yes. So um, thank you for that. Unlike the Olivia Wilde and Shia LaBeouf, Florence Pugh story, the Ezra Miller story, you got to report each thing that comes out because literally each thing could mean something detrimental to what's going on in movies. Yeah, and don't worry, darling. Still releasing yes, at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, and, yeah, and so is the Flash. But like for a while there, yeah, you know, and basically that's exactly kind of what happened here. Um, ironically, on the same day that the Batgirl funeral screenings were happening, Ezra Miller went to Warner Brothers for a meeting, and uh, you know they met with the new film chairs Michael DeLuca and Pamela Abdi to not only discuss how to stay on course for the Flash but to reaffirm their commitment to the movie and apologize for the negative attention being brought onto the film, which I pulled that from Hollywood Reporter. And um, basically, I'm also going to pull this. According to sources, Miller vowed to seek help after learning that DeLuca and Abdi were considering all options for The Flash, including scrapping the movie if things develop further with Miller. While the actor is said to not have minded the stream of bad headlines for themselves, they were spooked by the notion of the film getting canceled and jolted to take action. One source says they care about the Flash a lot as one of their favorite characters to play. So basically, as self-centered and as, you know, not a fan of Ezra Miller's actions as I've been, you know, still hoping that they get all the help that they need because they do need some. Mm -hmm. It is somewhat comforting to know that even they were like, oh, they're going to cancel the movie. Like, Mm -hmm. I I need to do something about that. But is it too little too late? We'll see. In terms of a public perception of Ezra Miller. Probably. Like, I still think he is done. Or they, excuse me. I still, I think they are done. Yes. As the Flash. And yes, it's, I agree. It's kind of, you know, it sucks because if they get a lot of help and they kind of go and they actually show change behavior, because mm-hmm. that, that's what a real apology is. Apology is changed behavior. And you've seen that with people in the past mm-hmm. who do something really bad and then they legitimately change how they act because of that thing. And that's how you know they actually are sorry. Mm-hmm. And so we'll see kind of what happens there because even according to this article, they weren't really concerned about the articles for themselves but for the movie. Yeah. And, you know, we've been saying forever too that The Flash is made by thousands of people that it'd be punishing them not releasing the movie, you yeah. know? And, you know, that's kind of... I, I think it's interesting that Ezra's trying to save the movie. And I think, I will say though, I think Ezra doing this is the thing that Flash is coming out. Yeah. And the Flash, they're probably going to have Ezra Miller do limited press. They're going to go with option one that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Which is apology, very limited public release. You put them in the trailers. Yeah. And then, yeah. A poster, but that's kind of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, we'll s- See, what's interesting about this, and this kind of spirals into another thing I wanted to talk about. Not a major, just a quick little tidbit. There was some shifting of some release dates. Yes, Through Warner Brothers. So I'll just quickly recap. Um, uh, Shazam was supposed to come out in December, going up against Avatar. And Aquaman (laughs) was going to come out in April. So two things happened with this. One, David Zaslav said, why the fuck are we going up against Avatar? (laughs) Are you out of your mind? And and to be fair, it's not just that. Avatar has a contract of having all the IMAX and premium yes. screens for a certain period of time, and this now gives Shazam the opportunity to have yeah. those Yeah, so a sequel to a very successful superhero movie, which always goes bigger in their sequels, is not going to have an IMAX release. Well, now it does. And also that kind of spirals into Aquaman of the Lost Kingdom being pushed to next December of 2023, 
which is great because the movie came out in April and James Wan said, there's not a finished shot in this movie. <laughs> For a VFX heavy movie, probably yeah. good idea to just, just like move, move it back, kick the bucket and yeah. let it move back to a year. Especially with all the negative attention Marvel's been getting with yeah. their VFX artists. Exactly. And also that and, the, and DC does not want none of that mess. And also the first Aquaman grossed over a billion dollars and released in December and they were putting it in the middle of April. Yeah. So I think that's a great move on both their parts. But the Flash is still there in June, July. Yeah. Do we see that getting moved, pushed forward, back? Like, I was a little That movie's basically done. They're they're just finishing VFX on it. Yeah. And Shazam is going to be done any day now. Yeah. Well, now they got a little more time, too. Yeah. Yeah. But what you're saying... Actually brings up another story now that I think about it. Nick, a few weeks ago on the show, mm-hmm. on this very show, we certainly were not the first, but we did report that uh, Ben Affleck yeah. had recently shot a cameo for Aquaman 2. Mm-hmm. And we learned that the reason they were shooting that was because he was going to be replacing Michael Keaton because Michael Keaton shot a cameo for the film because it was supposed to come out after The Flash. A film uh, cameo for Aquaman. Yes. Yeah. Mike Keaton was going to shoot a cameo for Aquaman, which is supposed to come out after The Flash, because after The Flash, he's going to be Batman in the DCEU, and so... But then Aquaman got pushed before The Flash, and everyone was like, oh, well, then it makes sense that Mm -hmm. they asked Ben Affleck very nicely, can you please come do this scene? So, because now it doesn't make sense if Mike Keaton shows up because it's before The Flash movie. And we're like, oh, he what a good sport. He said, yeah. Now it's after again. Now it's after again. Did you think they just used the Keaton footage that they have? Or is Ben Affleck back? Which you know how that would make me feel. Uh, listen, I think it'd be great too. I I do think they'll just end up reverting back to Keaton if that's the case. The good news is... If that's what they want to do going forward. Yeah. The good news is we will know that because someone will leak that. Yeah. Like someone that we've... Like of the people we follow who are into scoops will... Get that, yeah, and figure like, it uh, out. They're just putting it back to the original, yeah. Which yeah. We'll whatever f- we be, yeah. find out, yeah. So there's a lot of interesting shifting sands, which also makes for interesting news regarding all of this, especially since they are going to be moving forward with the Flash with Ezra Miller. Which that movie's again, test screenings have sung high praises, and Warner Brothers put a lot of money into that movie, and they seem like hell bent on releasing it. So it's mm-hmm. just a matter of what that plays into the new restructuring that they want to do moving forward. Yep. And I think it's great that Ezra Miller is finally going to be getting the help that they need. I agree. I don't think they'll be Flash after this. No. But I hope that they do. I think it's a little too late with the public eye. So I think it will be just kind of, here's a poster with the Flash. I, I still don't think they're going to do a premiere. I, th- I think they will, but I don't think Ezra will be there. Mm-hmm. It'll be a it'll be a for limit, everyone. It'll else be a limited premiere. Yeah. yeah, you can put them in the trailer, them in the trailer, put them on the poster. But I think it ends there. I think Michael Keaton, uh, Sasha Calle. <laughs> Poor Michael and, Keaton's gonna be doing a yeah, lot of press. Michael Keaton, put him right Sasha Calle, and uh, anyone else in that movie, I feel like you're gonna have to do the the late night talk shows and yeah. everything like that, which. Good. Michael Keaton's great on talk shows. He is. And he loves Batman, even though he doesn't like comic books. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I'm Batman. If you yeah. ask him, he's like, what do you think of all the other Batmans? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm Batman. Yeah. So I I think that'll help the movie, too, because Michael Keaton has, I think, a broader appeal. I agree. So. And I, I think it could work for him. Yeah. What do you guys think about all of the DC news we just threw at you? Let us know in the comments, and we're actually going to move on to a Marvel story before we go into the box office and our movie review. Yes. Um, Nick, what? Well, I say so, it turns into Marvel news, but what, what, what's the first headline? So, and what so does this that is a two-parter. We're actually going to delve into Star Trek and Marvel, and yes. you're thinking to yourself, wow, how does that correlate? <laughs> well, the answer is that the director of WandaVision, mm-hmm. as well as several episodes of It's Always Sunny, Succession, Game of Thrones... Uh, highly high, successful, director. highly successful television director. Yeah, uh, named Matt Shackman was announced as the new director for a Star Trek movie, which I believed either we covered on the show or it happened during our hiatus. I believe it happened during our hiatus. Okay, yeah. 
Uh, I, for one, have not seen anything Star Trek related, but I know that that wow. fandom is massive. Yes. And again, adding talent. He's a great director. I'm sure plenty of people were very excited as that being announced mm-hmm. because I think he's a great director. Uh, unfortunately, Matt Shackman has stepped away from the Star Trek movie. Oh, yes. Uh, tell in, us why. Tell us why. Tell in us other why. news, Marvel has found their Fantastic Four director. Uh huh. Matt Shackman. Yeah, boy. <laughs> uh, I this was well. I believe I believe he's in talks. Yes, not finalized. It's not finalized. But Made deadline, Hollywood Reporter, all the major trades ran with it. Nick. And also they said that he's no longer making a Star Trek movie. Yeah. Around that same time. Yeah. Nick. Coincidence? Nick. I think not. <laughs> Nick. Yes. What's in two weeks? D23. Yeah. Correct. They're going to announce them. Yes. And here's the great thing about this. First of all, I'm going to put this out there. Nick, I think we're on the same page. Matt Shackman, Fantastic Four, fucking phenomenal choice. Absolutely. Amazing choice. Partially because when we saw it with WandaVision, this guy, the most important thing to nail in a Fantastic Four movie is the family dynamic. They are Marvel's first family. It's the whole point is that they are a family. Like Fast and Furious style, like family. Like that's Fantastic Four. And the family stuff in WandaVision was... Perfect. The only thing I think that rivaled it is the family stuff from Ant-Man with Peyton Reed. Yes. Which also I was always on board with him directing. But Matt Jackman, like, excellent. Let's be honest. We were out of our heads with the whole Spielberg nonsense. We were. We got a little carried away on it. I I just wanted it so bad. And quite frankly, (laughs) I think I prefer this. Hey, I don't hate this at all. Like, I think this is a great choice. And good for Matt Jackman. I hope he knocks it out of the fucking park. One. And two, two, if Marvel Studios cannot make a good Fantastic Four movie, scrap it, nobody can. No more Fantastic Four ever. No ever. More. Yep. Nick, I've been waiting so long to get a good Fantastic Four movie. Uh, you're, a, I, you're a big Fantastic Four fan. I am not. I've only seen the movies, though. And the comics never really interest me personally. But also, in my defense, I have not seen them portrayed well. Fair. So I could watch this and be like, great. I was not a fan of Krasinski, Mr. Fantastic. I'll be right honest with you. Come at me in the comments. I know. Listen, I'm about to be strangled on camera. We're going to get demonetized. All right. So I'm going to be finishing off the show here. Um <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Smartest man in the world giving away Black Bolt's only move. We don't need. First of all, if you want to get into it, if you want to get into it, it's fine. If you started, okay. Listen, listen. Okay, okay, okay. Smartest man in the world giving away. Okay, first of all, how about he was appealing to the inner humanity of someone who was an innocent person in a trapped body by saying, "Hey, just to let you know, we could kill you. We are deciding not to." And besides, in this world, Wanda was just a mom. They probably had no idea she had reality warping powers. They if, did because because Captain Marvel, uh, 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 Monica Rambeau. No, yes, Rambeau. Mm-hmm. She says Maria oh, Rambeau. Maria Rambeau says we can handle your little witch. She knows she has powers that she's not just a mom. Because right before that, Doctor Strange says the Scarlet Witch is here. Yeah. That's in the title. Oh, this being has powers. But in that reality, Wanda's just a mom. There they, was no vision. They should have. There was no husband. They should have. Who? Then how, where the kids come from? Some random guy in Sokovia. Who knows? All I'm saying is perhaps in this timeline, they got experimented on by Hydra, her and her brother, who brother could still be alive in that world, escapes on their own, moved to America, had kids, and just never joined the Avengers. They don't know that. But when, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch comes in and is like, the Scarlet Witch, the Scarlet Witch, they're like, fucking Scarlet Witch, we can handle your little witch. Like, they how, they dismissed it because how, they how, don't know how about, who it is. How about all the security footage they watched of her getting into the building? Yeah, but that that, that that's any villain. Like, they're, they're the fucking Illuminati. They probably thought, oh, so, the, any, so she got through the any Ultron bots. villain she was 
moving shit with her mind. Yes, but how did how are they supposed to know that that also from the security footage? How are they supposed to know that that also equals reality warping powers? They didn't because know which they which innately means magic they and warping. They didn't know. Doctor Strange can warp shit. They didn't know. That's but they know Doctor Strange. Yes, they know Doctor Strange. We're just not going to agree on this. I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, dude. Like, okay, for example, I don't know, that I had surgery on my hand. Mm-hmm. And you walk in, I walk into a room and you go, hey, and you throw a ball at my hand expecting me to catch it. Well, I'd be a little mad at you, sure. But I'd be like, oh, you didn't know I had surgery on my hand. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> I... Okay, if you were a bank robber, or no, no, I'm sorry, if you worked at a bank, yeah. and a bank robber walks in with a gun, and you've watched security footage of them shooting a bunch of people, but you're like in a security position, you're like the hero that yeah. you have to do something, and you go, okay, I'm going to go stop this person, and you walk out and you go, hey, I need you to put the gun down, and they're like, you're trying to convince them, and you go, hey, this button right here can call the cops, and this is all over. I'm not going to do that. Put the gun down. But turns out... And then you get shot because no, you no, might no, no, press no, no, the button. No, 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 no. But turns out the person has a telepathic ability that could just take the button out of the wall. You just told him where it was, but you didn't know that they had telepathic powers. Then he's not the smartest man alive. Oh, my God. He's not the smartest man alive because he didn't know something? Yes. Oh, my Smartest God. man alive. We're not going to agree on this. I think Matt Shackman's a great choice for the Fantastic Four movie. Listen, I think he's great. I'm all on board. Also, that spiral too. I was just saying I didn't like Krasinski's portrayal. As I know, well. I know, I get it. But that was fun. <laughs> that was a good one. But yeah, like I also I think, major spoilers for Doctor Strange too. If you ever watched, yeah, it. let's let's that's on once it hits Disney yeah, Plus. It's on I feel Disney like it's Plus. Yeah, we're fine. Um, yeah, I think that. He's a great director. I'm excited to see what he does with a big, not to say that WandaVision was low budgeted, but mm-hmm. like a big tent, a big feature film, a big feature film. I, I think I'm intrigued very much. So I hope the entire cast of Sonny plays the fantastic Four. <laughs> At the very least, Glenn Howerton is Mr. Fantastic. I think would be great. Amazing. My issue is Mr. Fantastic's the smartest man alive. And in the comics, he's just a straight up jerk and he has never been portrayed as a jerk in any of the movies. Uh huh. And I just want that. And I think Glenn Howerton could do it. I think so, too. And Danny DeVito voicing the thing. I want Danny DeVito to be Dr. Doom. (laughs) Oh, my name. (laughs) Doom. It's Dr. Doom. Can I marry your daughter? Done. Done. I think think it's a great choice. I have very limited excitement for the film, just based off previous examples of it. Uh, but I think it's a great director, so they have piqued my interest. I'm sure at D23, they'll be like, hey, here's your Fantastic Four. And whoever they bring out, I'm sure I'm going to be like, all right, these sons of bitches got me. Hashtag bring back Miles Teller. What do you guys think about the uh, Matt Shackman not directing Star Trek, but it will be directing Fantastic Four? Let us know as we move into the box office. There we go, box office. So I don't remember what our predictions were. Uh, you deleted them from the Google Drive again. I keep doing that. <laughs> I gotta stop. <laughs> I can't stop. <laughs> I can't face the music. <laughs> As a reminder to viewers and listeners, these are the Sunday estimates. Sunday estimates, not the final uh, numbers, but I will put the final numbers in the description. Yes. Coming in at number one was the invitation at Sony. Didn't that only make like five million? It made seven. Seven, and that's was, number one. It was not a good week for the box office, homie. Top Gun didn't make ten again. It was not a good week for the box office, homie. And that got like trashed reviews too, which is a shame because I was kind of excited for it. Yeah. So, uh, Invitation came in at number one with seven million. Bullet Train came in at number two with five point six million. Beast came in at number three with four point nine million. Top Gun Maverick came in at number four with four point seven million. Dragon Ball came in fifth. It dropped from first to fifth. Still in the five, though. With four million, it dropped 78% week one to week two. I imagine anyone that was going to see it saw it opening weekend. Everyone. Yeah. 
everyone went. Saw it. Everyone saw <laughs> and it. like, yeah, anyone who saw, wanted to see that movie has watched it. And they did a great job cleaning up their theater, I guarantee you. But yeah, um, I just want to say 3,000 Years of Longing, the new George Miller film, opened to two. On opening weekend? Point eight, yeah. Oof. I don't think it'll tell me what its budget was, yeah. But it looked expensive. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Dragon Ball has made worldwide $56.9 million. It doesn't have its budget listed, but I imagine it's not crazy. Um, Beast has made $36 million worldwide on a budget of 36 so it's made exactly its budget back. <laughs> Good for them. That's a loss. That's a loss. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bullet Train has made $159 million worldwide on a budget of 85.9 it's made 1.9 times its budget so it's got a little more to go and then we're 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 financially i might go watch it again i really liked it um and the invitation seven million on a budget it doesn't tell me let me look it up the invitation budget one oh crushed it wait wait this might not be the same might not be the same invitation. Give me a second. I was gonna say, I'm like the the yep, lead. that the, was not the same. Yeah, I was gonna say, I'm like the lead actress was in several Fast and Furious movies and Game of Thrones. I think her her hold, salary is probably more than one. Hold for show. <laughs> Ten million. And it made seven. Yeah, so it's got to make overall fourteen plus seven. It's a little tight. Well, fourteen plus. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I don't. Uh, Let me see what the new Dragon Ball movie budget was. Oh, because the word on mouth of that one hasn't been good, so I think it's it's only going to go yeah, down. Yeah, it's probably so done. It would yeah. need to make seven again, which is unlikely. Yep, probably won't happen. Especially with Jaws re-releasing. It's not going to do great, but I'm I'm there. Okay, so apparently, Dragon Ball. I'm seeing, not from like the greatest sources in the world. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking for the production budget. And I saw, hold on, where'd that number go? Okay, the production budget was 36 million mm-hmm. for Dragon Ball. And it has made worldwide, let me look at the number again, 56. So it's almost at two. It's pretty good. Doing okay, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's the top five of the box office. I have no idea what comes out next week. I'm Guys, I if you know. knew the amount of shit I've had to be doing these past two weeks, I haven't been to the movies in two weeks. I have not been to the movies in over two weeks. I hadn't either, which is why I went last night, so we had a review to talk yeah, about. Holy yeah, holy shit. I'll try to watch something because... I'm going on vacation this week, so I'll try to watch. I won't be there for whatever Thursday it is, but I'll try to watch something. I'm going to watch Jaws so, on Thursday. You want to do a Jaws movie review? <laughs> Why the fuck not? There's already one on the channel. I'll do another one. <laughs> I want to make everyone watch Jaws 2 and do a group review. <laughs> Nick, I would love to do that. That's pretty funny. <laughs> but uh, but yes, you do. Um, Luckily, though, Nick did go to the movies, as he just said. He saw Bodies, 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 the latest A24 flick. And he's going to give us a little review. I am only going to comment on things he says because I have not seen the film. Nick? Yes, I will avoid spoilers as well. Yes, for, tell for us that. all about, except spoilers, yeah. bodies, bodies, bodies. Here's my review, review, review. <laughs> I'm very proud of that one. Please don't come at me. That, I like that. <laughs> um, Yes, it was a horror, comedy, thriller, murder mystery movie from A24. That was delightful. <laughs> I really enjoyed that movie. Uh-huh. Um, I think that it played with a lot of tropes that we've seen in these types of movies. Okay. But they found sort of fresh ways to make them more relevant to like society today. Okay. And I think that it played very well with those. Um, some of the positives, uh, Pete Davidson, I always just find very entertaining. Same. Uh, so he he was good. Um, Lee Pace has Love kind of a, a smaller role in it, but he's very entertaining as well. 
and the main ensemble of actresses i believe um amount amandla amandla stenberg uh, she was from The Hate You Give. Okay. She was one of the leads along with Maria Bala, Bala Bakalova, Bakalova, from, Bakalova Borat. from Borat 2. Okay. Yes. Uh, and their their characters are in a relationship with each other and their chemistry was great throughout okay. the movie. Um, and once the, you know, they kind of do the initial setup of you're meeting all these friends. They're not great people. Very self-centered, kind of ego- egotistical stuff. And then they start playing a game, Bodies, 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 which is essentially like werewolf or mafia where someone's a killer they shut off all the lights and you go around you get tagged you're supposed to lay down on the floor someone discovers it bodies 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 and people try to figure out who did it it's basically among us okay you know the hit game among us yes it's basically that where you just kind of go around and someone's gonna kill you and you go from there but there's a twist dalton the person's actually dead what what's going on in a horror film in a horror film <laughs> what two wars two wars um and it there the set design's very good you know they're in like a mansion mm-hmm. uh there's a, they're in the middle of a hurricane so when they go outside there's like the wind the rain like there's a lot of effects work going on outside of that okay um strong performances and again i think the main core dynamic of the main four actresses they all play off each other very well and like their chemistry all together was great and you know you go through your twists your turns your reveals and i i loved the ending i think the ending like kind of just solidified the tone of the movie as a whole and you're like that's good that that's a good ending to the movie um some negatives um you know, part of the thing is the lights are off and the power gets cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is some, a lot of it is just in pitch black being lit up by their phones. And they do a good job of balancing it so that, like, you know, there's kind of just a warm, like, orange glow throughout the house. So you can mm-hmm. kind of still see what's going on. But there are times where I was watching it and I'm like, I have no idea <laughs> what I'm looking at right now. Yeah. And uh, it does some fun stuff with that, though. Like, you know, you'll see characters with different types of lights. So you're like, oh, what was that now? Um, one of the characters has glow rings and necklaces on. So mm-hmm. when the lights go out, she's just lit up, <laughs> which was very entertaining. Uh, some interesting kills for sure. And uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend checking it out. All right. I got to watch that one, dude. I'm so behind on so many yeah. movies. <laughs> it's kind of hard. I've never had to do like this. So normally we can like, oops, sorry, like back and forth. But yeah. How, so is that so, all right? So is of that... recommend or no recommend, it's a recommend. I would say definitely a recommend. Uh, yes. All right. That is awesome. Thank you for giving us that movie review, my guy. Hopefully next time I can get my shit together and <laughs> watch a movie too. <laughs> but uh, but yes, thank you again. Do you have anything else you want to add on the show today, sir? No, I think that about covers it for me. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for watching, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>